Welcome to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. Every other Wednesday, Adrian, your host, talks to key players in the fashion industry to discover new products and understand the challenges behind offering more responsible fashion and learn the solution available today. This podcast is brought to you by Première Vision, the leading event organizer for fashion professionals. To find out more, go to www.premiervision.com. Discover and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast. Today, I am welcoming Alberto De Conti. He's head of marketing and fashion division at Rudolf. Hello, Alberto. How are you? Hello. Hello, Adrian. I'm really well. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, my very first question is, could you please introduce yourself and come back on your very long pathway, please? Uh, yes, pleasure. So I have uh, I graduated in Milan um, in, in chemistry, biochemistry. Uh, that was like in 93. That tells you something about my age. And then I began my career during the 90s working on enzymatic applications for um, uh, textiles. And that was in uh, biotech labs in Milan, in Vienna, and Berlin. And then, in a quite unexpected way, I would say, I I got to join the R&D group of Levi Strauss in 97. Uh, those were the years when, you know, uh, Levi's was basically one of the few players out there. The only issue that we had was, you know, how to produce enough pairs of, of fiber ones. Uh, after years spent in uh, product development and management, I became a global director of business development and innovation. And I, I had the opportunity to be part of some uh, really amazing global uh, product and innovation initiatives for the Levi's brand. And examples were, you know, uh, the um, innovations that we carried out in collaboration with Apple, with Philips, pioneering uh, wearable electronics, and so on and so forth. Um, in in 2014, I came back to chemistry, you know, my original love, and I currently head up, as you said, um, global marketing and fashion division at Rudolf, where I where I dedicate much of my time to uh, positioning and marketing the the pretty amazing responsible chemistry that Rudolf makes. Okay, so that kind of summarizes my career to date. Fantastic. Um... What is Rudolf? What is Rudolf actually? Um, what is the offer? What is this business actually? Uh, what do you do at Rudolf? Okay, so I first uh, I first give you the standard corporate information using you know the standard corporate language. So Rudolf is a is a leading conscious chemical partner for the global textile, uh, predominantly but also construction and coating industry. So Rudolf was founded back in 1922. So basically we are turning 100 years old this year. And this year is a very, very important year for us. And we're going to do a lot of uh, celebrations throughout the years. Rudolf manufactures in 12 countries around the world. So it's, you know, there is a, a true global uh, footprint, owns 20 foreign subsidiaries um, and employs more than 1,300 people. Uh, now, now I can give you the more romantic view of the group, if you like. So, think about it. So, everybody and, and everything—you and me, individuals, companies—you know—we all come from somewhere, uh, and we take that place 
wherever we go. And this is pretty much a universal truth. So when it comes to Rudolf, um, the company comes from the scientific study of nature, its beauty, its logic, you know, its mysteries. And, and, and somewhere within that unknown, there is, a, there is meaning, you know, there is purpose. There is something that is potentially life or business changing. So science is the core characteristics that define Rudolf's proposition. We are, as a company, without any doubt credible because we are rooted into real applied science and, and German engineering. So that, that, that is what sets us apart from much of competition. And in, in terms of stakeholders, so people we talk to, we certainly have a, a double audience. So there are two personas, you know, in the language of marketeers. Yeah. Our real customers through the supply chains, so the spinners, the yarn, the fabric manufacturers, the laundries, you know, you name them, as well as, and increasingly, apparel brands and retailers that are more and more influential, you know, in the choice of chemistry that is being used. Our our previous approach that was based on you know detailed technical information is is still valid, but is is no longer enough as we need to engage with with that part of the industry that is more emotional, design driven, and and in the past we have been kind of shy and not particularly generous in showing our potential, but we are now committed to kind of lift that curtain on some of the wonders that, that define our group. And that is, you know, the extraordinary R&D that we have. And, you know, everybody is welcome to, to Munich to see what kind of R&D capability that we have, the vision, the, you know, the genuine commitment to the environment, and, of course, you know, the people that are at the core of everything. Great. Fantastic. Um, to be a, a bit more... Um uh, precise um, and and so I, I really understand what you do. Um, what kind of chemistry do you provide to the to the different stakeholders you are working with? Um, can you give us some concrete examples? Uh, yeah, I mean there is a lot of there is a lot of talking about um, chemistry, and uh, quite frankly, in in some cases, chemistry has developed a sort of a, a bad name for a number of reasons. But, you know, look around you, uh, wherever you are. I'm, I'm sure that you are seeing objects that are made out of uh, chemicals, that are coming out of chemical processes. So everything is chemistry. We are made out of chemistry. Hmm. So therefore, asking whether or not we need chemistry is somehow useless a question. The real question is, what kind of chemistry should we adopt? Mm. So within Rudolf, we talk about aspirational chemistry. And with that, we mean sort of progressive products that are built out of the combination of modern chemical R&D and, and really advanced environmental consciousness. Okay? Mm. So aspirational chemistry refers to an emerging generation of technologies that 
aim at moving the overall environmental bar to a much higher level. And um, so the goals of aspirational chemistry are, of course, very um, ambitious. Um, but they encourage companies like ours to, um, uh, you know, try harder and achieve even, even more. Um, you, have, you were asking for examples, you know, there are, and we can talk more about that if you want, but uh, th- there is more and more chemistry that it's coming out of um, biological raw materials rather than just, you know, petroleum. And, uh, or even more amazingly, uh, you know, there is chemistry that is made out of waste. And that's something that was uh, considered being impossible only a few yeah. years ago. But now plastic is used uh, more and more as a, as a raw material that, rather than just a waste, you know. And that's, uh, that's game-changing. Fantastic. Um, you know, Smart Creation is a podcast about uh, sustainability. Um, I would like to have your definition of um, responsible fashion because, uh, because we are in the fashion industry. Uh, asking me the def- about the definition of responsible fashion means taking me somehow <laughs> out of my comfort zone, you know, considering how complex, you know, yeah. the subject is. So, however, you know, I have said that um, responsible fashion um, to me remains somehow still, you know, blurred, evanescent. As, a, as I see it as a, as a commitment from both consumers and, and supply sides, okay? So, and if it is true that from a, from a supply side, you know, from where we sit, it boils down to ethical and environmental conscious practices that come at a price <laughs> on, the, on the consumer end, it, it means, you know, thinking twice about a purchase, you know, before we buy something, mm. making the choice of buying uh, and often more expensive products because there are reasons for, for it to be a slightly more expensive. Um, thinking about washing it less because, you know, domestic washes has huge impact on the environment and, you know, it, consumers like us should be educated about that. So um, that's, if you like, my take on, 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 on responsible fashion is not just about the industry, but it's about an overall educational process that comes from the, the, the brands and retailers. I mean, brands and retailers have a huge role to play in order to educate everybody about what's important. Mm. Uh, that's a good point. Um, how can we make, uh, how can we talk about, I mean, Education is uh, is key. I, I, I agree with you. Um, but sometimes, you know, talking about chemistry in the fashion industry can be a kind of a, a bit boring, no? Not very sexy for the end customers. Um, do you have any good practice? Any tips to to make it very sexy <laughs> to the end customer? Um, yeah, um, I I think uh, <laughs> you know we all went to school. Some of us liked chemistry, some others didn't. Somebody, somebody hated it. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, if if I if I see what's going on in the labs, what's you know what's coming out of the labs, quite frankly, there is a there is a lot of excitement and there is a lot of um, 
amazing stories to tell. And I was, you know, you'd be surprised. We had a conversation with a few Banza retailers a couple of years ago, pre-COVID. And, uh, and one of their requests was like, uh, you know, help us coming up with stories that we can tell to our customers, you know, because we, we know that there is excitement with the chemistry, but we just can't, we don't get it, right? So, uh, which is basically what you say, Adrian. Um, and, and if I see some of the recent developments and innovations, I mean, I don't want this, our chat to be promotional, so I don't, I don't talk about products, but uh, if one of the most advanced and, and progressive frontiers of, of textile chemistry for denim, but not just for denim, is the transformation of, of biomass, meaning, you know, plants and, and other biological materials and waste, as I said, into substances that can be further used in a greener and, you know, more sustainable world. And that's particularly true um, for waste. And, and while materials like, you know, glass and metals can be recycled in, in a sort of infinite times. Uh, plastic waste is, is, is certainly more challenging. Um, we have to know that all the plastic that has been created, you know, since the 50s is still out there. Mm. So, and, and, and plastic, till like a couple of years ago, was, was unconceivable as a raw material for, for the chemical industry because of you know, consistency, availability issues. But today, you know, through the selection of appropriate um, um, uh, processes, the, the, the what's called chemical recycling is, is happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the injection of natural or uh, upcycled plastic auxiliaries is now is now something that is, is happening. When it comes to Rudolf, we had uh, the first... Uh, products that uh, were coming functional products for performance uh, that came from biological raw materials and from plastic uh, waste were launched last year so this is a very important moment in the for, for the in history for the chemical industry because a lot is happening great um, what is the well in what is the role of Chemistry, actually, you, you kind of already answered the question, but uh, I would like to go a bit uh, further. But what is the role of chemistry and uh, what is the role of Rudolf in this um, fashion revolution, uh, sustainable fashion revolution? Um, can you be, will you be at some point uh, eco-friendly, uh, 100% eco-friendly with zero impact? Um, it's kind of a challenging question, but uh, I'd like to, to hear your answer. This is a this is a huge answer. So, um, to, to basically, the chemical chemical companies like ours are provider of ingredients. We we provide the chemical ingredient to the overall textile processes, and uh, there is no doubt that um, you know the industry is moving towards uh, a more recyclable, cradle to cradle. Um, you know, upcycle-inspired sort of um, environment, and and it's uh, obvious that we need to go there. You know, there is no, there is no choice. You know, we don't have unlimited resources, so that's 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 the direction. And um, 
in chemistry in some cases has been an issue because um, you know sometimes you apply chemistry to cotton that cannot be taken away you know it's it's it, you know it, it stays there it sticks so you can you can go back and try and recycle cotton and other fibers as much as you want but it's difficult to get rid of the chemistry that was initially uh, you know put on so um the, the chemical industry is working on that as well in order to um, develop solutions that can that can be compatible, if you like, with this philosophy and with this sort of new way of thinking of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the examples, examples that I gave you before fit perfectly with this because if all of a sudden we manage to, you know, use waste that we find in the environment, so... Clean, cleaning up the environment, if you like, and and as we clean the environment, we gather our raw materials and we produce chemistry that can be uh, recycled itself. Then we are in sync with everything else that is happening in the industry. Okay, so mm. chemistry can be eco-friendly and must be eco-friendly. What what are the, the biggest challenges for for you in the in the coming years to to reach this this point of uh, of zero impact of or of very low impact? Um, the past, uh, I would say, eighteen months and uh, this very last two months in particular have have taught us how quickly things can change. Mm. Uh, the situation is very complex, you know, but in extreme summary, we can say that the lack of available raw materials combined with a demand that remains really high is having dramatic consequences. I mean, look at what happens to the price of, uh, you know, fuel these days and or the price of uh, metal or the price of uh, um, you know, uh, other raw materials, it's, it's getting really out of hand. So the, the supply of, of many raw materials can no longer be fully guaranteed. And in some cases, uh, these supply bottlenecks have, have been led to the shutdown of, you know, even production facilities and production plants. So in the future, shortages can only get worse. <laughs> That's the bad news, especially if it is petroleum, you know, crude oil that becomes scarce. Mm. And because petroleum is a limited resource, we, we can expect a significant impact on the way we do, we do business. And that is one of the biggest challenges, you know, looking ahead. You know, this was the inspiration for what we have recently created as Rudolf, which, you know, is, is being presented at um, Denim by PV. And there is a, a, a new range of, of chemicals that we call off-fuel. Mm. And there is a range of uh, auxiliaries for a range of chemicals for the finishing of Denim garments that is entirely based on raw materials that are alternative to petroleum because we say well if tomorrow petroleum is no longer available what do we do do we stop finishing denim hmm. 
So the range that we are presenting meets two pressing needs for society. The first one is the, the definition of sustainable industrial practices that are based on rena- renewable resources. Mm-hmm. And the second is the you know, identification of economic alternatives, so something that works and that is still financially viable. So that is the kind of challenges that I see moving forward, and this is the off fuel is the one of the solutions that we are putting on the table. Yeah, fantastic. Um, thank you for your answer. Your, your, let's let's focus on the name because yeah, obviously this podcast will uh, be released during um, the name Première Vision. I really want to understand wh- what kind of chemical is used or what kind of finishing is done on, on denim uh, how it used to be uh, in the like in the in the past years in the 80s in the 90s and what is the future of chemistry um, applied to denim uh, I, I think we are going back you know um, when I when I started during the 90s it was the chemistry was basically about You know, the first enzymes that could do uh, stonewash, the first enzymes that could do this size or getting rid of the starch at the beginning, so the starch from the yarn, and, you know, softening at at the end. And, you know, that was basically it. And then we have gone through, with the turn of the century, you know, at the moment when uh, premium denim appeared. And then we had all sorts of uh, chemical applications and coating and, and, you know, and crazy effects and laminations and, and glittering effects and you name it. You know, it was all over the place. And of course, because, uh, you know, the industry was using chemistry that was coming from all different industries, then there was also some, there was also some applications that were, you know, somehow questionable from a, an environmental perspective or from a health and safety perspective. Uh, and therefore, the industry took a step back. In, and in addition, uh, you know, I'll, uh, the, there has been a transformation in the industry. So uh, laser now plays a, a big, big role. Ozone bleaching plays a big role. So we are kind of going back to where we were, where most of the chemistry that is being used today is uh, is 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 is. It's, it's not just it's not just about creating um, special specially glamorous effects. There is hardly no request in the market, but it, it has become a chemistry that basically helps you know fabrics, meals, and laundries to optimize the processes, save energy, save water, and um, and and return a look that is. And maybe less articulated, but still very authentic. Um, and, 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 and that's what you see in the stores these days. Mm. Fantastic. Um, all right. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's go back to the fashion industry. Um, how can the fashion industry uh, accelerate its sustainable revolution, according to you? This is a, a very, very good question that has a, a very, very difficult answer. Um, I'm not sure that I have the right answer. So, but you know, we all we all say that um, fashion is one of the industries that currently pollutes the most. Um, 
mostly we say because of businesses such as you know fast fashion and their massive overproduction of clothing that are made out of cheap materials. Uh, so th this is uh, basically the, the, the situation as it is being painted. I think that the process of democratizing fashion isn't necessarily bad. You know, many people in the world need uh, affordable clothing. What's, uh, what's, uh, what's not good is um, incentivizing and instigating consumers, people like you and I, to buy more than what we need, especially if it is done through greenwashing, you know, and greenwashing claims and greenwashing advertising. So I think that the, the, the ruthless persecution of greenwashers that we see starting now, especially in France, you know, where you are now at the moment, is the way to go. And, and I believe that that will accelerate the progression. I wouldn't call it revolution, but, you know, the progression towards uh, a real fashion that is more sustainable. Mm. But where do, do we put the, the cursor? Uh, I don't know if, if it's a, it sounds a bit French cursor, but where do you put the, the limit, you know, of, of greenwashing? Um, I mean, I've got a brand personally and, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, you are trying your best to, yeah, to, 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 to minimize your impact on the, um, on the, on the environment and on the society, etc. But at some point, you know, producing a product is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is making an impact. Um, I mean, my question is, uh, at, at, at what point a brand can, can say to, to the world that I am a sustainable brand? That's, uh, that's, that's, that's way too uh, complicated, I believe, to be nailed down with a simple answer. But uh, what, I, what, I, what I think is that um, um, environmental consciousness, like ethical business practices, should not be necessarily uh, stuff for advertisement. You know, it should be what is called a ticket to play. You got to have it. You have to behave in a responsible way, and 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 it is okay if you know if a company, a brand, defines or discovers a particularly advanced material or you know technique or or strategy that that that, that can have a very positive impact on the environment. That can be measured. That can be substantiated and measure that's okay that's actually very good and something that should be encouraged what uh, what what and and i understand you know and i agree with you adrian that, that there could be a gray area you now something that is difficult to judge whether it's uh, greenwashing or authentic effort but there is you know just go out there read the magazines and the papers and i'm sure that you will identify as an expert of the industry a number of examples that are clearly 
you know, the obvious. It's clearly greenwashing. is basically advertising something way bigger than what it really is in the best case scenario, or that is misleading in the worst case scenario. And, you know, it's not as simple as I make it, but it's really good that as a global community, we are talking about this. Hmm. Fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for your input. I would like to move to the quick rapid fire question already. You know, time is flying with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you want to close the door in our industry? The idea that everything is cheap. Of course. And it's not going to be going to go in the, in the, in the good uh, way with what's happening now. Yeah. Um, where do you look at to get inspired? I look at startups. I mean, I believe in the enthusiasm, drive, creativity of youth and, and you know, and their beginner eyes. I don't believe in uh, innovations that come out of, uh, in you know, innovation boards where only people of my age are sitting. <laughs> do, do you, can you think about um, any, any, can you give us a name of a, of a startup or a brand that, uh, that's inspiring at the moment for you? Um, I, I, I do have a quite a, a few startups, but uh, they're all, um, outside of the text award. I'm not even sure that, you know, are relevant for this conversation. Right. Right. Uh, what is the last piece of clothes you, you bought? I, I bought a, a fantastic sweatshirt from zero waste Daniel. Um, you know, all, all blue and very, you know, um, articulated and I'm waiting for, I'm waiting to receive it. Fantastic. Who is the personality you would like to listen in this podcast? There is this, this gentleman that is called Kengo Kuma. Um, he's a Japanese architect that I've never met, of course, um, who talks about losing architecture. And, and he designs amazing buildings that basically disappear in, into their environments. So I really would love to you know, understand more of how his brain works. You know, he's pretty amazing, man. All right. I'd love to. Uh, thank you so much, Alberto, for your, for your time and for, for your answers. It was a, it was a pleasure to talk to you uh, and hope to see you at uh, Denim Première Vision. In the, in the it, was my, it was my pleasure, Adrian, and certainly we'll see each other there. Okay. All right. See you there. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye-bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast till the end. If you want to support this initiative, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow. Just click on the subscribe button, rate it five stars, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast on your favorite social media. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. 